Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. We're almost there. Yes, we are. Our portion starts in Vayikra 16 with Aparimot. And that chapter is describing in detail the rites of Yom Kippur. I want you to understand, though, that we're in, we're still in this in the sequence of things that we've been reading about in the Torah. We are still in the Passover season, and I find it interesting that in, during this Passover season, after they first reared the tabernacle, began worshiping it, had those two episodes, we might be almost exactly toward Pesach. At least two weeks have gone by. Maybe a little more, I'm not sure, but we're in that season. And all of a sudden, he gives us information about Yom Kippur. Nadab and Abihu had offered strange fire. Elazar and Itabar burnt the next offering. We saw some cleanliness concerning the first kosher eating for which there was no sacrifice if you violated it. Then we saw Tara'at, and that's linked to Lashon Hara later in the scriptures. And concerning the body releasing various fluids which required sacrifice to cleanse. And then Abba brings back up in chapter 16, he brings back up again the death of Nadav and Abihu. That's what Acharebo means, after the death of. He's talking about those two gods, so he's going back recalling what they had done and then he describes he instructs Aaron to offer the Yom Kippur sacrifice now maybe six months have gone by but if it is it's right on the heels nothing happened in between are you with me? in the narrative Aaron was the Kohen Gadol, and he was to go into the most holy place. And God was telling him to do this once a year. And of course, that is Yom Kippur. If I remember right, Yom Kippur is not mentioned by name in that chapter. He's just describing the rites of it. And he goes on and describes the rites of the two goats. To make atonement. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. We right now are in our Passover season. We sanctified the Chodesh a couple of weeks ago, and Passover is tomorrow night, right? So we're in the season, right? And we're reading about this. And we're reading about Yom Kippur. We're reading about atonement. So there is something to it. And I have taught you guys, any, any of you that have been here for any length of time, you know that I believe that time can be better analyzed as a spider. And that if it is an equal spiral, that those two holidays are six months apart. Exactly. So they would line up on the helix, if you will. You have the goat for Azazel and the goat for Yahweh on Yom Kippur being described in chapter 16. And I think that that is reflected in Bar Abba versus Yeshua being released. One is released and one is executed. 
All right. I find it even more interesting that the one that was released is called Bar Abba, Daddy's Son. Hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. <coughs> then we get a, war a warning about the perversions of the Canaanites, the Canaanim. All the things that they've done and, and telling God, telling Israel to be careful not to do those things, to guard yourself. Ushmartim atem. Shamar, guard, protect yourself from doing the abominations of the Canaanites who, who, who were vomited out of the land. Not very many places in the scripture do we talk about vomit, but one of those places is in the Hebrew in chapter 3 talking to the last congregation I will vomit you out of my mouth now some translations including ours says spew but it's the same thing I will vomit you out of my mouth why? you're lukewarm what is that? you take hot water and cold water and you mix it and of course we know that we're talking about ritual services to a God you take gods which are hot I believe you take asatanas which are cold Mix them together, you're lukewarm. Right? Right. You have no passion for the word of God. You're not guarding and protecting yourself from the abominations of the Canaanites, which, by the way, are all around us still. I am appalled, and I don't want to offend anybody, but please do not be offended if, if you used to be in this category, but I'm appalled at the number of people who get tattoos today. It used to be that only a, only a very few people had them, mostly sailors and other people lower than that on the social scale, right? But now it's, it's glamour, it's fashion to do it. I'm only saying that not to condemn people who have tattoos. I'm only saying that to say that it's easy to blend in with society, to, to cave to the pressure and to loosen your morals. Is that an egregious thing? I think on one, one level it can be, but like I've said a million times, turn the ship one degree, doesn't hurt for a long time, but you, sooner or later you find out you're off course. Right? So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot or nor cold, cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Our Vayikra passage continues and describes the imbibing of blood. And it was part of their mixture religion. In that conversation, Abba tells Moshe something that is very, very important. And that's in 1711. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the Mizbeah, that's the altar, that's that altar, that's where the blood goes, it's right there. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. 
And that word for life there is nephesh. It's also the word for soul. So the soul is in the blood. Is at one with the blood. We all know that somehow the, the eternal part of us that we believe lives on, that Yeshua resurrected from the dead inside of us, that it is still connected to our bodies, right? And of course, blood is what invigorates our bodies, right? The gum, the blood, is united with the nephesh. And that is exactly what Yeshua is described to have done. I'm reading from our Hathorah, chapter 53 of Yeshayah. Of the travail of his soul, he shall see to the full, even my servant. By his knowledge, my servant, a tzaddik, shall justify many, and their iniquities he will bear. Therefore will I divide him a portion among great, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty, because he poured out his soul unto Mavet. He poured out his nephesh unto the realm of the dead. And was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So Yeshua shed his blood, and in doing so, he poured out his soul. Are you with me? I don't think it's an accident that we're reading this portion now. And what I have to clarify is our Jewish people took Isaiah 53 out of the Hathorah readings. It's not in their cycle. It's too much. It matches too much the Yeshua narrative. And they don't. So they took it out. What I want to focus on, though, is Yom Kippur is alluded to in the Passover season. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. But if you understand Scripture, you know that Yeshua has already secured atonement for those of us who confess our faith in His blood. He has secured our atonement. We have 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 that says, If any man sins, we have an advocate with Ha'al, the Father. Yeshua HaMashiach HaTzadik. Did you notice that in the Isaiah passage, Yeshua is called a tzaddik, righteous one. Well, here he's called the righteous one, HaTzadik. And he is, he, Yeshua, is the atonement for our sins. He, the Messiah, is the atonement for our sins. He, HaTzadik, the righteous one, is the atonement for our sins. It's already happened. Amen. And it happened at Passover. The two are linked together. You don't get the atonement on Yom Kippur if you didn't secure it through Yeshua who died at Passover. Are you with me? Yes. And two chapters later, Yohanan writes, Here in his love, not that we loved Elohim, but that Elohim loved us and sent his son to make atonement for our sins. That's why Yeshua came. And I said that. I had it on that a couple of weeks ago. He came to atone for our sins. 
We read it every week. But he, being full of mercy, atones for iniquity and destroys not. Often does he turn his anger away and does not stir up all his wrath. That's from Telah Psalm 78. And it goes on to describe Passover. That's why I think there is a spiral in regard to the Moedim and time itself. And we see something very similar in our brief Kadashah portion. In Yohanan 7, we read about Mayim Chayim being poured out during the fall season. But in the previous chapter, Right before 7, in chapter 6, verse 4, it tells us that John chapter 6 is in the Passover season, and John chapter 7 is right on its heels. It's the next day. All right? Yeshua, in chapter 6, is having a conversation with the parishes and the rabbis during the Passover season. And he says this, Amen, amen, I say to you, he who trusts in me has chaye olam, life eternal. I am lechem hachayim. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat it and not die. I am the living bread, because I came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my body, which I am giving for the sake of the life of the world. So Yeshua is saying that the manna was symbolic of me. I am the real manna. Just like the temple, the tabernacle was symbolic of heaven. But there is a real heaven. There was a temporary supernatural manna that was symbolic of and foreshadowing Yeshua coming down from heaven. Feeding us. While we're on our journey, the manna, the, the bread of life of Yeshua, should be an everyday thing. That's why we put together a siddur, because it's all scripture, and at least you're getting that in your head if you're doing the prayers. You should be going on and reading something else and pursuing them on your own as well, right? But at least be doing that. Getting his word going through your soul. He's our daily bread. We sang a Vinu Shabbat Give us the bread we need today. Yeshua, here's what I want you to understand about God. He's going to feed you. You don't need to worry about sweating about food. You're going to eat. Don't nobody in here look like they skipped a whole lot of meals. <laughs> Are you building a shed over there, huh? <laughs> Shelly looks like she's getting apples all in All in life. Don't skip bread of life. Don't go on a spiritual diet. Right? Yes. The Yodim, which is the religious Jews, and I want you to pay attention to that when you're reading in Hanabar, 
There's a distinction between religious Jews and just Jews. And you should, I want you to figure it out on your own. It's there. I tell you right. what that is. The religious Jews argued with one another, saying, How can this man give us his body to eat? And Yeshua said to them, Amen, Amen, I say to you, Unless you eat the body of Ben Ha'adam, the Son of Man, that means the human being that God sent. That's what that means. And drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats of my body and drinks of my blood has Chayelam, eternal life. And I will raise him at the last day. For my body truly is the food, and my blood truly is the drink. He who eats my body and drinks my blood will abide with me, and I with him. Just as Ha'ad the living Father, sent me, and I am living because of the Father, whoever eats of me will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. It is not like that manna which your forefathers ate and died. He who eats of this bread shall live forever. It's the knowledge of who Yeshua is. And of course, many denominations have taken that chapter and have taught all of their people and drilled it in them since they were babies that they're actually eating flesh and blood. And if you disbelieve that, then you're going to hell. You're cursed and you're going to hell. If you disbelieve that you're actually eating flesh and blood, that it's magically transformed as soon as you put it in your mouth to be his body and his blood. That's not what Yeshua was teaching. But it was during the Pesach season that Yeshua said this. And he's speaking about atonement. And at the same time, he's being what I, I believe is very, I don't want to say confrontational, but he's putting an argument out there, and I believe he's trying to elicit a response. And he gets the response, and I believe it's for calling. I believe it's for willing the crowd down and show Yeshua knows, he knows. We've read in all the passages, he knew the hearts of men. He knew, he knew Judas. When he invited him to be one of the twelve, he knew what he would do. Yeshua didn't need to, to see that. He wanted his disciples to see that. And not everybody's going to follow him. Not everybody can believe the very powerful things that the gospel is. Not everybody can swallow it. They're too caught up in legalism and and literal interpretations of things and the teachings of their rabbis and the station that the rabbis give them, the power that people can give them if they don't violate that way. Are you with me? Yeshua is speaking to Jewish people, Jewish leaders who, who understand the Torah to some degree, probably far better than most Christians today. And he tells them, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're thinking, but wait a minute, by the cross says, whoever eats blood shall be cut off from his people, much less human flesh. What the heck is this rabbi talking about? That's what's going through their mind. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, in me he will dwell, and I in him. 
They took Yeshua ultra-literally that day, and many of the Talmudim who were following him stopped following him. During Passover, probably either one year or two, I think it's I think it's one year before the Passover of his execution. But people were following him, people were watching him do miracles, they were they were hearing that he was the Messiah, they were debating about whether or not he was the Messiah, and then they hear that teaching and they turn and walk away. They basically were saying, this guy is no longer my rabbi. I've got to go find another. That's a Torah violation. To drink his blood. And I want, to, I want you to know something. Jewish people know that's what the Catholic Church teaches. And they know it's an abomination. Are you with me? And for that reason alone, a lot of Jewish people won't even consider Yeshua for the same reason that these guys walk away from him. Because they know they're not supposed to drink blood, and God would never ask people to drink blood. They couldn't see that this was spiritual, and Yeshua came out and said, verse 63, it is Haruah that gives life. It is the breath, the spirit that gives life. The body is of no account. The words which I have spoken to you are Ruach, Spirit, and Chayim, Life. It's His words. It's the fact that He is going to enact a, a renewed covenant with a cup of wine and declare that to be His blood. What? What's the, what's, what is His blood? The, the stuff that's in the cup or the act of doing it in obedience? The participation of, in it with our brothers. That's what Yeshua is talking about. Voluntarily taking out that cup and acknowledging that he shed his blood for us. Repeating the words that he said to us. In Yochanan, Yeshua's ministry began at Pesach when he's immersed by Yochanan Hamadil. And then his miracles start because he goes in the wilderness and fasts for 40 days and he comes back and then his miracles start at a wedding and I believe that was Yom Teruah his atonement however happens during the Pesach where he poured out his blood for the whole world he was doing the ministry of Yom Kippur right down to being the goat that was executed even though he's figuratively a lamb, do you think for any moment that the goat for Yahweh is not Yeshua? Symbolically? Right. That the Jews offered every Yom Kippur? Ain't no doubt in my mind. He is our khatat. We say that every Shabbat. He has become our sin offering, our khatat. In our portion in Hebrews 9, he did not enter... And what, they, what he's talking about, you get from context, is the holy place above. He did, he did not enter with the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the Beit HaMikdash, the holy house up above, and obtained for us everlasting redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and calves and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were defiled consecrated them even to the cleansing of their flesh, how much more will the blood of Mashiach, who through the eternal Ruach, through the eternal Ruach, offered himself without blemish to Elohim. What he did before God was spiritual. His blood was physically shed on the earth, on a tree, when he was executed. What he did standing before God, however, was a spiritual evolution that involved the exchange of words. Maybe one day he'll tell us exactly. Maybe it's in the scriptures and we just haven't seen it. What Yeshua said to the Father when he stood before him and secured our atonement. How much more will the blood of Mashiach, who through the eternal Ruach, offered himself without blemish to Elohim, how much more will he purify our conscience from dead works, our conscience from dead works, that we may serve the living Elohim? Conscience is matsunenu, and that's our, that's plural, possessive. Matsunenu, matsunenu. The word in there is tzafon, it means north. North is what establishes a compass, isn't it? Interesting that that's a word, the Hebrew word for conscience. It's also a treasure house. Your conscience is where your soul dwells. That's your connection to the eternal. Are you with me? For this reason, not even the first reek was confirmed without blood. For when Moshe had given every precept to all the people, According to the Torah, Moshe took the blood of a heifer with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled it on the books and on all the people, saying, This is the blood of the reed which has been ordained for you by Elohim. That very blood he also sprinkled on the Mishkan and on all the vessels used for worship, because everything according to the Torah is purified with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Our Jewish people live in the guilt of their sin still. Because they, and they, if, I think they know it, but they've had to go re-educate themselves. As, you know, we were talking about progressive Christianity on, on the Torah study on Thursday night. Well, there's progressive Judaism where they had to change their theology because of what God did through Yeshua, through the tearing down of the temple. So their offerings are the prayers they offer. That's what they teach. What they don't realize is that no. We're the ones offering those offerings. Those of us who confess Yeshua before Elohim are the ones making those offerings. I'm not saying that God doesn't hear their prayers. I'm saying they're not saved. Unless they trust in Yeshua. There's a hostility coming out of our Jewish people too. Toward Messianics. It's been there. And I'm just noticing it more for some reason against me. Uh, us, I should say. Um, some posts that I've had to delete before any fires got started. Yeshua secured our atonement already, like I've already said. It says in Ephesians, we are sealed against the day of redemption. Do not grieve the rule of the Kodesh of Elohim, whereby you are sealed for Yom HaGeulah, the day of redemption. Passover, and by extension, Erev Shabbat that we just did tonight right over there, 
is is a literal partaking of the body and blood of Yeshua. But I said literal, but I'm not talking about flesh. Are you with me? I'm talking about invoking his words, trusting in what he did, trusting in the words that were written down about him, and participating in that together. That is what I'm talking about. And Passover is, you know, Erev Shabbat is modeled after Passover. It's called a mini Passover in Judaic thought. You can see it. Anybody with a, who's ever been to a Passover Seder and then goes to a, an Erev Shabbat service can see it. It's very similar, right? And it's serious. And we send this scripture out every year. I don't know that I've done it yet. I don't know that we did it. I've posted it twice, but I don't know if it went out to our guests. But I want at least us, let us carry the burden of making it serious and at the same time joyful. Are you with me? Is that possible? I think it's absolutely possible to, do, to be very, very reverent, joyfully so. Right? For I myself, this is Shaul in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, I'm in verse 22. For I myself received from Adonai that which I also delivered to you, that Adonai Yeshua, on the very night in which he was betrayed, which was Passover, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Had his body been broken yet? This physical body. No, it's his words that made that bread his body. Are you with me? Likewise, after supper, he also gave the cup and said, This cup is the brief harashah, the renewed covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this, and this is Paul talking now, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you commemorate Adonai's death until he is coming. We secure our eternity based on the fact that he died for us. Nothing else. And Messianic people are struggling with that. They struggle with it. Hopefully no one in here. Your salvation hinges on one thing. Yeah. Yeshua. And you trusting in him. Absolutely. Therefore, whoever shall eat of the bread of Yahweh and drink of his cup unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and body of Yahweh. For this reason, let a man examine himself and eat of this bread and drink of this cup. So when a, when a congregation gets together, and as I said earlier, the meal is prayerfully prepared. And they do what we just did right over there. Even though we didn't have a meal, we had a meal. Are you with me? And do what we did right over there, declaring the blood of Yeshua. Did you hear that in the blessing? Yeshua Yeshua 
who brought forth Yeshua from the grave, we declared his blood, his resurrection. Right? Yes. For this reason, let a man examine himself and eat of this bread and drink this cup. For he who eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks to his condemnation. For he does not discern the body of Yahweh. Now, the Catholics and other denominations will tell you that discerning the body of the Lord is understanding that the, the thimble and the wine are his body and his blood. Because you don't have the you don't have the power to discern that. That's not what he's talking about. Put it back in context and check the previous passage, which I think I read to you last week. They were sashaying in to the to the Passover Seder and going to the temple and just go on and eating, go on and drinking. Some of them were getting drunk and were treating it as an unholy thing. And I've seen that. We've experienced that. Where people just went on and drank and drank and drank. They weren't discerning the body, which is everyone around them. That's the discerning the body, is who around us has that confession in them. And do I care enough about them to make sure that they're in this meal with me? That's discerning the body of Messiah. And he says, because of their behavior, that they're not discerning the body of Messiah, that's the reason many of them are sick and weak, and many are dying. I don't know what was going on in the Corinthian church physically, but apparently they had some diseases, and some sicknesses, and some death. And Shaul is saying, it's because of the way you treat this meal. That's pretty scary. Is it any wonder that at least when you walk into a more liturgical church that they do have some reverence? Oh, yeah. In some settings you walk into them and there's zilch. I want reverence tomorrow night. I want reverence on Arab Shabbat when I'm in my home. Are you with me? Anytime that we assemble together, we should be reverent toward the people. Everybody, not just the guy in the tie. Right? And you know what I'm talking about. There's not one person called reverend that we have to honor. It's the body. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by Adamanu, we are surely chastened, so that we may not be condemned with the world. So if we're going through those kinds of things, it's because he's spanking us. That's what chastening is. He's trying to get our attention. <clears throat> so that we may not be condemned with the world. Thank you, Abba, for getting our attention. Hereafter, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait. There, it's, This is backing up the context that I just established. Wait for one another. 
And if any man hungers, let him eat at home, so that he may not come together into condemnation. As to the rest of the things, I'll instruct you when I come. So tomorrow night, I pray we all see what our Hafra this week tells us. And I'm going to read a part that we haven't often read congregationally, and that's, Behold, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up. He shall be very high. According as many were appalled at you, so marred was his visage unlike that of a man. I want us, I hope that the imagery of what Yeshua suffered comes out tomorrow night when we do our Savior. He was marred beyond recognition. And if you understand that the implement that was used to whip him, then you understand how that could happen. Because it tore him open. And I've, I've told you, I don't that passion of the Christ was hard to watch. And it probably didn't go as far as it, it, as it really went. It was hard to watch. His form, unlike that of the sons of men, so shall he startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they perceive. And then he goes on and goes into the Isaiah 53 passage that we're all so familiar with. He's taking this little paragraph and stretching it out and explaining it further. There are other passages that describe what Yeshua went through for us on Passover. Isaiah 53 points out that Yeshua took all sin into his body. I can't comprehend that. I can tell you this. When I, am, when I know that I have sinned, and I know that it's Abba breathing heavy on me because I have sinned, I can't stand it. It bothers me. That's one thing that I've done wrong. Take all the times that that's happened to you, and all of the times that it should have happened to you before you do it, and all the times that it's happened to every human being in the world that ever will live and ever had this, and pile all of that on Yeshua. And then you might begin to understand what he went through. We never will. We never will. We can't understand it. How did he keep his sanity? He did it for the whole world. First Corinthians 5 is another part of what I usually send out. Clean out therefore the old letter, so that you may be a new love, so that you can be matzot. Of course, everybody here knows that that's unleavened bread. For our Pesach, and that's the lamb. It is talking about the feast, but really, he's drilling in on the lamb. Our Pesach is Messiah, who was sacrificed for our sake. Therefore, let us celebrate the Chag. What a Chag? Passover. This is 1 Corinthians 5. With, not with old leavening, neither with the leavening of evil and bitterness, but with the leavening of purity and holiness. Kedushah. Holiness. 
in our portion in the Torah. 17, 16 listed Yom Kippur. 17 told us about, began to tell us about the abominations, but it was more about Abba telling people, telling Israel not to do the abominations. And then 18 lists all of, begins to list those abominations. Mind you, there are other abominations that are not just, that are not in that chapter. The problem is, is the Christian faith, the, the modern Christianity has zeroed in on one abomination that they pick on. And they they make scapegoats out of the people who commit that abomination, but at the same time they ignore all the other abominations. You walk into you walk into most congregations and there's adultery going on, there's fornication going on, and it's open and everybody knows it, and they're not saying a word about it. But when a homosexual walks in, they're up in arms. That's duplicity and hypocrisy. It is. Defile not yourselves in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out from before you. And the land was defiled, therefore I did visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land vomited out her inhabitants. You therefore shall keep my statutes and my judgments. And shall not do any of these abominations, neither the homeborn nor the stranger that sojourns among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done that were before you, and the land is defiled. That the land not vomit you out also, you defile it, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For whoever shall do any of these abominations, even the souls that do them, shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall you keep my charge that you do not do any of these abominable customs which were done before you. You defile not yourself therein. I am Yahweh your Elohim. And among those abominations are witchcraft and sorcery and astrology and, and all manner of things that everybody that, 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 that Christians are happy to participate in and put in their eyes all the time with the movies they watch and all of that. And then, but yeah, let's point the finger at that guy. And Messianics do it too. That's a strategy of Hasatan is to find a scapegoat. Someone, someone that can be painted as the one who is less than. So that everyone else feels exalted. And the point that I'm making is Yeshua is the equalizer. Because his righteousness so exceeds ours, it don't even make any sense for us to talk about ours. It doesn't. And, and that's what he means when he says, judge yourself. Look at your own heart. Prepare yourself for Passover. Don't worry about your brother. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're not. You don't know their prayers. You don't know their prayers. Yeah, somebody might be struggling with something. But guess what? They might be begging God for help. And you're sitting there pouring condemnation on them. And I'm not saying nothing has happened. I just... The sanctity of what we're doing tomorrow night is what I'm trying to achieve. And the understanding of that it applies. His brutal death applies to everything. It was necessary for everybody in this room in equal measure. 
That's the point that I made. Everybody that will come tomorrow night, everybody in that room needed Yeshua to die for them. And I hope that if someone is there tomorrow night that does not know him, that has never tasted of his forgiveness, that they get it tomorrow night. And we've had that joy. Is he coming? Is everyone coming? He left, Evan. Albert, is he coming? I don't know. I, I, I told him to find out. No, he is not. Oh, he's not coming? He is not. I couldn't hear what you were saying. All right. He who eats and drinks of Yeshua, Yeshua said this, In me he will dwell. He will settle down. And I in him. So what I want to do is pray about tomorrow night right now if you guys are willing to do that. Yes. Yes. I want to pray for salvation first and foremost. That is Yeshua's name. I pray for everybody that's coming. And if they have not experienced that, that they get it, that they see the message clearly. And that if anybody is, is coming in with any burden in their body or their soul, that they be healed. Abinu Malkayu in the name of your son, Yahweh, Yeshua Mashiach, whom you sent to die in all our places. All of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us need more salvation. We in this room know it. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. And we ask you to refresh and renew your ruach within us. In our understanding, make us deeply understand what great lengths and depths you went to to save us by offering Yeshua in our place. We ask you to help us as a body communicate that message very, very clearly, not only to, to those in the room with us tomorrow night, but those watching from a distance. We ask you to extend healing to them. We ask you to manifest and make yourself known in this world in some way to whomever you are trying to woo. We believe you are calling the whole world to your son, Yeshua. And we want to echo that voice on your behalf. And we ask you to give us the honor of doing so. And let us do so with humility, with compassion, with faithfulness. Yeshua, Yeshua. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.